interesting time together. So without further fanfare, I invite you to stand as we sing our first hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
seated and good morning again and welcome again to our Advent service. Traditional program of readings and songs that help prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord. Of course, at this time of year, we look back in celebration of his arrival in human form as a baby born in Bethlehem. And we look forward as we await his return as a king in glory. And in these in-between days, we pray for his kingdom to come. And we'll be doing that in a few moments. Uh, that is praying. Uh, before then, a couple of quick announcements that we'd like to get out of the way nice and early. Firstly, um, if you're new amongst us, uh, or if there's any way that we can be of assistance to you, we'd love you to get in touch with us via our online connect card. QR code behind me, uh, description field underneath the clip in YouTube. Let us know if there's any way we can be of assistance you, uh, to you. Of course, you could always just speak to us. Uh, and that's my preferred method as well. <laughs> uh, a piece of good news, a piece of sad news, and a piece of Christmas news. The good news is, uh, just to keep you updated, that um, of that $120,000 goal that we had for reaching um, our level of mission partner support, uh, we've exceeded that, I can let you know, as of uh, the end of this week, uh, up to $126,500 so even over and above what we were hoping to raise. So again, uh, just, yeah, I think a round of applause, absolute. And uh, thank you again to everyone for your generosity. And I'm sure our mission partners will, will echo that um, gratitude as they're well funded for the year ahead. The sad piece of news is that our brother, and I'm sure many of you would have read this in the, uh, the uh, weekly email, the eight o'clock email, that our brother Ross Edwards has gone to be with the Lord um, this past week. Uh, and we give thanks that Ross knew the Lord Jesus and trusted in him up until his final moments. So we'll be praying for uh, Robin and the rest of the family as they prepare for Ross's funeral tomorrow. And indeed, I'm just getting used to the new normal. So that's sad news, isn't it? Some happy news, some sad news. Some Christmas news. I don't have much to say about Christmas other than what Christmas stew has got to say. So we might hand over to him right now. Can you believe it? Less than two weeks until Christmas. So Christmas due here, back again to let you know about what's happening at St. Matthew's this Christmas, along with my trusty sidekick, Christmas Stevie. And where... Where, where did I put her? Stevie? Stevie? Christmas Stevie? Oh. There you are. Well... At St. Matt's this Christmas, we've got a lot going on. On Christmas Eve, at 3 or 4.30 in the afternoon, we have family carols. Now, that's what you should come to if you have primary school-aged kids or lower, uh, and there'll be an opportunity for us to all sing carols together and a family-friendly Christmas message. It won't be like the big extravagances of years gone by as we make a bit of a change this year. At 7, 9, and 11 p.m. on Christmas Eve, we also have evening carols. 
Now, if you have older kids or you're an older kid yourself at heart, these are the carols for you. As we've built out some carols together, the band plays loud and Dave hits the high notes. There'll be a, mess a Christmas message at this service as well. Now, on Christmas Day, we have two options. We have our 8 a.m. traditional service with communion and our 10 a.m. contemporary service. We'd love to see you at any of those services. Now, keep in mind, there's limited space in the building, but there is overflow seating if you miss out. Also, if you can't make it down, all four types of our services will be live streamed on our YouTube channel and available later. All right, might be time to say goodbye to this one. Well, at the end of the service today, keep your eye out for one of these. We have some flyers that you might be able to take and hand out to friends, family, or neighbors and invite them to one of our Christmas things happening here at St. Matt's. And of course, if you missed any of the information, it's all available on our website. Now, some things as well that you might need to know coming up to Christmas and the holiday break. On the 26th of December, there will be no services here at St. Matt's. We'll re-kick off our Sunday services in 2022 on the 2nd of January with one single combined service at 10 a.m. The next week, on the 9th of January, all our regular services will kick off. Well, there's only one more week of Christmas stew and Christmas Stevie, and so I'll see you next week. Until then, Merry Christmas. Take one of those flies, give it to someone, and I'll see you soon for some Christmas action here at St. Matthews. Okay, Stevie, come on, where are you? Stevie? Come on, get back in the bag. She is so much fun, isn't she? Uh, grab one of these on your way out and give it to a friend. That'd be great. Well, friends, we're now going to um, pray. So I invite you to join with me as we pray, firstly, an Advent prayer, and then as I continue to lead us in prayer. Uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armour of light, now in the time of this mortal life, in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came among us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Let me continue in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself and the plan you have through us in your word and, of course, in the person of your Son, the dear Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive us, Father, when we trust and elevate our plans above yours. And so, Lord, we pray for our world, and as we hear of a new variant, increasing strains, increasing cases of COVID, we ask for your mercy on our broken planet. We pray that you might um, bring some respite in the spread of the virus. Continue to pray for hospitals and hospital workers that they're no longer pushed to and beyond breaking point. We pray for that families and friends will no longer be prevented from being together. We just pray for the simplicity of being able to make plans, knowing they won't be cancelled at short notice. And so, Father, we, we entrust our anxieties around all of these uncertainties and concerns to you. And Heavenly Father, Lord, we do pray for our sister Robin, whose husband Ross passed away this past Monday morning. And we give thanks, especially that Ross was known and loved by you, and that in turn he knew and loved you. And we ask that you might comfort and protect Robin and their family as they mourn him, that you might give them peace and strength through these difficult days. We ask that your spirit might be working powerfully 
to uphold them as they prepare for Ross's funeral tomorrow and that his hope beyond the grave might be spoken of in many ways, loud and clear. Father God, we must confess that some of us here today have heard the Christmas story so many times. Uh, there's always the potential that it has lost its power to move us in a way that it, it once has. We pray that our hope might be stirred this Advent by the power of your spirit and by our attention to your living word for all that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ means for us. Emmanuel, God with us. And let us dwell richly and deeply on this truth, knowing that it's your plan to show your love and to rescue your people through your Son. At this time, we also give you thanks and praise for the dedication, hard work and perseverance of the, teaching, the teachers and staff in Goma uh, that is part of the Heal Africa mission, and that despite a COVID pandemic, volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, armed conflict, that the Muganga school continues to operate. And Father, we pray for the thousands of children who are missing since the emergency evacuation of Goma and for peace as armed rebels continue to cause havoc in the north of the country. And especially we pray that you might protect and uphold the 240 vulnerable children enrolled in the school and the 10 full-time teaching staff as well. We pray for the protection and the stamina of all the staff at Heal Africa Hospital as they continue to restore the damage done by volcanic eruptions. And so, Father, it seems fitting for us to thank you that you understand our weakness and our frailty, that you look upon us with love and compassion, that you even entered into our weakness and frailty in the coming of your Son because you loved us so much. So we ask that you would deepen our trust in your goodness and walk obediently in your ways. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, I now invite uh, Pam and Colin, who are going to bring the first of our readings to us today. The first of our readings is from Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Isaiah 35, 1-6 the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, 
Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Spotless Lord. 
in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and we will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled in me. And then the angel left her. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great crowd, company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Oh, 
John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, 
so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born out of natural descent, nor human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him, and he cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Isaiah 9, 2-7 The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Okay. 
Isaiah chapter 40, verses 9 to 11. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lamb in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. And verses 28 to 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths uh, grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Psalm 24, 1 to 10. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Hello, good morning uh, from me, and welcome to those of you who may be guests with us, either here in person or online. Uh, my name is Andrew Graham. I'm one of the ministers here at St Matthew's. I'm very glad to be part of this uh, service on the second week of our season of Advent here at St Matthew's. Our lives are full of rich joys and aching sorrows. Now, here's a small joy uh, that a number of people here in Manly enjoy. Uh, every morning, there's a group that swims across Cabbage Tree Bay to Shelley Beach and back to South Stain. And there's uh, some of them emerging uh, from the water there. I was swimming with them last uh, Wednesday morning. 
And uh, I noticed the look on people's faces. I, I listened to the chat afterwards. And it's clear that they've had a taste of joy in some ways uh, with the serenity of the uh, what's going on underneath the water there and the beautiful aquatic life as well as just the joy of engaging with those things physically in the water. It was lovely to swim last Wednesday morning. But later on uh, Wednesday, I heard news that just a few kilometres away up the coast, uh, a fisherman was washed off the rocks and couldn't be revived uh, when there were people who went to save him and bring him back to shore. I can only imagine the looks on the faces of friends and family, on the kind of conversations that they were having as they were coming to terms with their, their shock and grief. There are rich joys to enjoy in life and there are aching sorrows that we live with. Now, whereas I said in the second week of this little Advent series leading up to Christmas at St Matthew's, and Last week we heard about the way in which God sent a prophet, John the Baptist, to prepare, for, to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. But long before John the Baptist, there were other prophets like Isaiah, whom we've heard from this morning, and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and many others. And there were kings, and there were priests, and there was a sacrificial system in Jerusalem at the temple, all of which in their own way were preparing for the coming of of God amongst us in the person of Jesus and of his coming again one day. But even before the history that we read of in the New Testament, eons of history before that, going right back to the creation of the world, the Father, God the Father, was preparing the way for his Son to come. Now, this morning, uh, we've heard a number of really helpful readings, but we're going to focus in on just that little psalm that Pamela read for us a few moments ago. Psalm 24, which in just 10 verses takes us right back to the creation of the world and, and raises some really vital questions that anyone living in this world might ask. And in those 10 verses, we see so much that prepares us for the humble coming of Jesus as a child and his coming again in all his glory when he comes to restore all things, when he comes to bring about a whole new creation. So come with me back to Psalm 24, a very fitting psalm for this season of Advent. And, and as, we, as we look at Psalm 24, it will help to bear in mind, to remember, that when we hear about the city of Jerusalem, the ancient city in the Old Testament, we, we ought to be thinking about that place where the God of the whole universe chose for a time to dwell amongst the people that he had chosen, the people of Israel. And uh, when we hear of the mountain on which it's built, it's really only a hill, really, Mount Zion, we're meant to think of the way that God ruled his people from Mount Zion up high. He ruled over them even as he ruled the whole world. So Psalm 24 begins with a statement about God, there in verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. But that's just the beginning of the psalm. Very quickly, the psalmist is asking a big question. The sort of question that says, look, 
this mighty and glorious God, who could, who could ever approach him? Who could come near him? Who could possibly approach him and, 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 and dwell with him? The question is put this way, verse 3. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? 3,000 years ago, God's people had been on a long and arduous journey out of Egypt from which God had rescued them. They'd been slaves there. He'd rescued them from captivity in Egypt and he'd brought them to the land of promise. Now, Jerusalem was one of the last places that they occupied. And it was going to be a wonderful place to be because that's where God would dwell. And so it would be a, piece, a place of harmony and peace and goodness and beauty and love and wisdom and holiness. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in the place where God dwells? But who could live there? Or, or, or who could even visit the place where God dwells? That's the question of verse 3. Verse 4 gives an answer almost immediately. It's the person, as you see, who can hold out their hands and say, my hands are clean. That is, everything that I've done, everything that I've said, it's spotless. Even to my very heart, a pure heart, a, a heart where the dreams, where the desires, where the longings are pure. It's the person who can say, my hands are clean, my heart is pure. I have only ever worshipped with all that I have the one true God, my creator, who owns me. I have never two-timed the one true God with the idols of my culture, which ultimately mean I'm living for myself and not for the one who made me. I'm worshipping possibly the things he'd made rather than God himself. So the answer is clean hands, pure heart. But the sorry history of Jerusalem in the thousand years that followed the time at which this psalm was written, one generation after another of God's people utterly failed to live as his people. None could say, my hands are clean. None could say, my heart is pure. See, that answer to the question, who could, who could go to the place where God dwells, ends up setting a standard, living, a standard of living which no one in ancient Israel could live up to. No one lived up to it. And no one today lives up to it. No one could say, my hands are clean. My heart is pure. So it sounds like a miserable place to be as you get to verse 4 and realise who, who can go? But it's an exuberant song, Psalm 24. It's a song of celebration that's filled with celebration. There's quite a shift in the psalm, especially when you get to verse 7, which sings to the gates. See, those who sing, and, and, and a psalm is a song written by David. As the song is sung, the singers call to the gates of Jerusalem, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. Open up gates that the King of glory may come in. Now, I'm pretty sure that when David wrote this psalm, 
he was describing the time in which he as the king was responsible for a procession into Jerusalem, which he'd only recently captured. And it, it was a procession, a procession in the centre of which was that, that ornate wooden box, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the place, um, the object, if you like, which, which represented God bringing his people out of Egypt. He led them as he dwelt amongst them at the, the Ark of the Covenant. And, the, and they carried this little ark around with them everywhere. Now the ark is going into Jerusalem. Now the way is being opened. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Now, I'm pretty sure that although David wrote this about an experience that he and others had 3,000 years ago, 1,000 years before Jesus came, he, he could not have foreseen what that what that activity, what that event would foreshadow, where in so many ways the arrival of the Ark of the Covenant being led by the human king of God's people would rightly go into the place where, where God dwells, a place where sinful people could approach God, having their sins washed away by offerings that would be offered at the temple. He couldn't have seen, looking back, that his song about Jerusalem, about the Ark of the Covenant and, and God going up there and people following with David, the way in which that would so beautifully foreshadow the coming of God himself, as we've heard about in John chapter 1 this morning, coming into our world and opening the way for, up for people like us to join him. Let, let's just go forward to, uh, to what one of the writers of the New Testament, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews, says about Jesus. He opens his, uh, his letter of encouragement uh, by, by describing the way in which God had spoken to his people in so many different ways in the past, but he'd spoken finally by his son, Jesus. And it says in verse 3 of chapter 1, have we got that there somewhere? Yes, there it is. The son, speaking of Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, see what happened there was the one person who could say, my hands are clean, my heart is pure, Jesus Christ, went to the cross and at the cross he offered himself as a sacrifice. That was where the purification for sins came where it would be possible for others to have their hands washed clean, their hearts made pure. By going to the cross and by rising again, Jesus opens the way for our hearts and hands to be cleansed, for our sin to be purified by his death, by living with clean hands and pure heart himself. And we know this because Jesus, as it says at the end of that verse, sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And he is there, ready to welcome all who turn to him and learn to follow him. So let's go back to Psalm 24 and to verse 8 in particular. Who is this king of glory? It says partway through there. Who is this king of glory? Well, ultimately, he is the Lord Jesus. He is the one who is strong and mighty. 
He is the Lord Almighty, and, and He is mighty and victorious in battle. And the battle Jesus fought was against our great enemies of, of death and, and sin and Satan. Lift up your gates, uh, lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up that the King of glory may come in, the psalm goes on to say. Friends, here we have 10 verses describing an event in history which deserved a song to be written about it, which foreshadows the coming of one much greater than David leading the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. It foreshadows the coming of Jesus initially humbly as a little child who would go to the cross, who would rise again, who now rules and reigns at the right hand of God the Father and one day will return in all his glory. So friends, there are two things for us, I think, to take away from this. I'd love you to take this away today. The first one is, brothers and sisters, in this world that is full of joys and sorrows, take comfort in Christ the Lord. Take comfort in Christ our Lord. Life is full of sorrows. And uh, the Edwards household at the moment is full of sorrow as they're coming to terms with the loss of our brother Ross, with, with Robin's husband, Ross. Full of sorrow. And, and we grieve with Robin and the family. But we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Ross knew Christ and was known by Christ. Ross loved Christ and was loved by Christ. And Robin has already found a place of comfort even in the midst of her grief. See, friends, think about it this way. This is the way that the Apostle Paul describes the future of those who go to be with Christ. Ross's grave this week, where he will be buried, will not mark the end of his story. But it will be like the planting of a seed which grows into a plant or, or possibly a beautiful tree. Ross's body, which had become so weak and frail in recent days, will be transformed into a new and vastly improved body, which is fit for the new creation which Jesus is bringing. His death last Monday was the beginning of a new and glorious part of his story. So even as we grieve, we do not grieve like those who have no hope. You see, we live in a world which is beset with all kinds of sorrows. Sometimes death and evil seem like they're in charge. But we follow the Lord who decisively defeated them at the cross and through his resurrection and who is coming again so that all will see his glory. One day... He will come not only to raise those who've died in him, who've trusted him, he will renew and transform all things so that there is a new creation, so that the world will be as God has always intended it to be, a new and far better creation. Now we groan today as we wait for that day of love and justice, but we groan with eager expectation. So take comfort in Christ the Lord. But the final thing I want to say today is pray for the coming of that kingdom. And that's what we do as we pray the Lord's Prayer. If we could get that slide up there, Michelle, thank you. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray for so many things. 
We pray for ourselves, not just me and my, myself, but for, for all of us. We pray for our needs, for our, our daily needs of bread, for our protection from evil and sin. But before we pray for our needs, we pray for the glory of God, for Him to be hallowed in our own lives and in the lives of others, and for the coming of God's kingdom. As we pray, hallowed be your name, we are praying that these hands that have been cleansed by the blood of Christ will be used by us to do the good things that God prepares for us to do every day. These hearts that have been washed clean will be more and more transformed by the Holy Spirit so that our dreams, our desires, our longings align with those of God. And as we pray your kingdom come, we pray for that great day, that great day, when the Lord Jesus will come, when he will bring a harmony and a beauty and a glory of God, which is hidden by this fallen world. So brothers and sisters, in the midst of life, all its joys, all its sorrows, let's take comfort in Christ and let's pray for his coming. Please join me in the, the Lord's Prayer as we earnestly pray for the coming of our Lord Jesus and for everything that means for us now as we eagerly await the final revelation of his glory. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Well, as the musicians uh, come forward, we have one more song, uh, a version of Psalm 24 to reflect upon, and then we'll join together in our final hymn, which will be our collection hymn. King of God. 
Please be seated. Well, friends, it really was worth the wait, wasn't it? Worth putting up with a short delay. Uh, and I, I really feel, I'm sure you feel this as well, that today has built our expectation uh, of the coming, the return of the Lord Jesus. Not just that we look back in celebration of his first arrival as a baby in Bethlehem, but really waiting for him and his return in glory as a king. And of course, in these in-between days, to take comfort in him and to pray, and indeed sing as we've just sung, that his kingdom would come. So thanks so much for joining. It's been wonderful. Uh, I'm hoping you'd be able to put your hands together for our singers, Barbara, Martin and Margaret. Just a second, just a second. Our readers, Colin and Pamela, and of course our organist, Mark, up in the loft. Thanks so much. I think their Christmas CD is being released this week. <laughs> uh, friends, in a moment, I hope you'll join us for uh, morning tea uh, through the courtyard in the function room. Make sure you grab uh, one of these Christmas flies to give to a friend in the week ahead. Um, but before we leave, let me pronounce a benediction over us all. Well, brothers and sisters, go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good and render to no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honour all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thank you.